Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. <laughs> Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casaza here on the final day of July, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, um... What is the finish line of the summer for you? Are you a Labor Day guy, an August guy? Is it the start of camp? Is it kids go back to school? Where's where's your your conclusion here? It's funny you should ask because it used to be when I was a kid, you you went back to school the day after Labor Day, like you went back the week after Labor Day. You um, one last opportunity to go on vacation or do whatever for that long weekend, for whatever reason. My kids go back to school like the Tuesday before Labor Day, and then they get out on Thursday, and then they're out again until the following Tuesday. So for some reason, they just come in for three days, which really annoys the hell out of me. But I guess it is now, now that I'm an old man, when, when my kids go back to school, that's that's the end of it. Okay. So you still have a couple weeks left. Yeah. What is that? August 26th or something again this year? Hmm. I kind of feel like it ends for me on Wednesday morning. I don't know why. I don't have kids, so that doesn't really register for me there. It's a different one, but kind of feel like that. I'll be uh, head down and writing for a long time for a lot of different reasons. What's uh, what's once... happening Wednesday morning, Mike? Funny you should ask, Chris Anderson. We are here to talk about the beginning of preseason football. Some call it camp. Some call it fall camp. Not quite fall. There's no tents. Call it preseason football practice at West Virginia University. The first so far of only two open windows to the media, 10 to 11 Wednesday morning. And we get that regular rotation of players one day, coaches one day, head coach one day, all the way through. Um, school starts on the 17th. So about two weeks free of distractions using that 20-hour rule. That's out of the way. I shouldn't say using the rule. You don't have to be beholden to 20 hours when you're not in school. But once school starts, then 20 hours a week. But that's a short amount of time. Of course, the season begins September 2nd. Um, Not happening today, Chris. No basketball team in the air on the way to Italy. Before we get into football, I just want to stop on basketball for a second. Is that the right call? Pulling the plug on Italy. I think maybe at the time it was. Yeah. Because at the time, what were they down to like eight scholarship players and still trying to figure everything out? I think if they had known they could get to where they are right now with 12 and feeling all right about it, then, you know, maybe you, you might have tried to keep that and, and taking these guys out there to get them some more playing time. Agreed. Probably um, another nod to Jay Coons and the work he does that he was able to get Jose Perez back. Add Slazinski, add Bembry, back to 11. I don't know. Seems like they could have probably done that and made it work on the trip, but still 
probably best for everybody at that point to move one obstacle out of the way and just work on putting a roster together and let's not worry about a deadline and this and that. But that was asked to me and I was like, that's a good point. Let me ask people who know. So I used my three things yesterday and I use it here now with you and I think it's the right thing. Maybe, maybe now, but man, how helpful would hindsight have been at that moment? Sure. But you probably could say that about a lot that's happened with basketball in the last few months. And unfortunately you don't have hindsight when you're in the moment too. Let's go to football, Chris. Question one obviously is going to be, well, actually, I don't know what question one would be because there might be a couple. There are some obvious ones. So let me let me get this to you then, and I can give you mine. You can give me yours. But if you're in an elevator with somebody and, and you're going from the first floor to the third floor and you don't have a lot of time and you say, hey, what do you think of football as camp opens? What do you think about football as camp opens? What's the answer to that question? Is it a thing? Is it a person? Is it a competition? Is it a dynamic? What is it about WVU football come August 2nd? Uh, pretty simple for me. Feeling feeling pretty good about the trenches on both sides of the ball and feeling like it's a complete and total wild card in the offensive and defensive backfields. And when I say offensive backfields, I'm not specifically talking about running back, of course. I'm talking about quarterback, defensive backfield, corner, safety, lots of options, um, question marks, mostly a corner and some of those safety spots you at least have some guys that you know but so much roster turnover so much you know youth at some of those positions uh it's it's good you know i think i think the range here for west virginia of what their win total could and could not be is actually pretty big because it's so dependent on those those main positions here i'm talking about Okay, that's a good answer. I was going to say, I wonder how many people would just kind of make it simple and go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Can't go wrong there, obviously. And then I wonder how many people are just kind of like, meh, because of, not because of Neil Brown necessarily. I mean, he's involved in this dynamic, but the world has not been lit on fire the past couple of years and the future is not guaranteed to him. And I just think some people are like, let's see what happens when the season starts. Like, We've had this long offseason. We've had the uncertainty for, with the coach from the moment the athletic director was fired and maybe even before that because perhaps Neil Brown's tenure influenced that decision to get rid of Shane Lyons. So for some time, this has been like the cloud above the program, and it just hasn't moved right yet, and the only thing that's going to move it out or make it rain, I guess, would be wins and losses once the regular season starts. And you know, at this point, you just want to see results. So I do wonder how many people will kind of pay attention to, maybe not obsess over camp here. Maybe keep an eye on the headlines and, and some of the developments or surprises, a C.J. Donaldson or, you know, maybe a transfer who becomes very good or a position that becomes stronger than expected, faster than anticipated. But they're also like, that's fine, but let's see how it goes here. And that's a tough spot for a program to be in because this should be an exciting time all over the country, right? It's a new beginning. Everybody's O and O. So let's stick there. If we want to be excited about things and if we want to, I don't know, stimulate readership on the website. We want to be clicky and have people paying attention. There are players, positions, dynamics. And you mentioned a couple. I'm sure I could rattle off a few that would get people maybe leaning forward in their seat a little bit and kind of looking forward to September 2nd or 9th or 16th or whenever in that first month where it's five games and four pretty good opponents. Um, what should whet the appetite here and be worth following or paying attention to? Well, I think you look at the offense because uh, to be quite honest, over the last four years, there's been nothing exciting, exhilarating about this offense. It's kind of been, at best, mediocre. And with the offensive line and with the running backs groups, you have a floor 
that is going to be mediocre. So it shouldn't be worse than mediocre. And now you have some hope, some some potential at quarterback of something exciting uh, with a running quarterback, no matter who is chosen to be the starter. Um, and then at wide receiver, you know, that was a weak spot last year, despite you know returning a lot of guys who had playing time. They just did not perform. Now you have all new players. So you really have no idea. It's it's hard to say, hey, this is definitely going to work. But you have all the pieces. You have all the different skill sets. You have the guy that can take it deep. You have the guy that can catch it over the middle. You have the big tight end. You have the big wide receiver out wide who can catch short, can catch long. So I think the potential for some kind of exciting offense is back. And, you know, I was about to say, like it hasn't been before, but I guess we have to admit that it was like this last year when you brought in JT Daniels and you brought in Graham Harrell and it just didn't work out. But I think that the excitement for some potential on offense is there and should have fans excited. Where should that come from? Is it a position? Is it a player? And like the excitement? Be, yeah, like let's be specific here because I think people like say, okay, they're going to be a running offense. But man, you could get excited about the idea of like EJ Horton or Jeremiah Aaron stretching the field. Um, there might be someone we don't yet know about that's interesting. Like perhaps this turns into like a real running offense that has two great tight ends that could be effective. I don't know, but it might be the running quarterback. It could be, I don't know, it could be a number of different things. But if this is going to be going in the right direction as planned and as necessary, you know, what is the source of that that progress? No, I think it has to center around the quarterback because once you bring in the dynamic of being able to run, even if you're not as polished as a passer, you have brought something different and new to the offense. It's opened things up. It at least has the defense thinking about run, worried about the run, and it should open up more opportunities that you might be able to hit as a passer and a runner too. So it's got to be centered on that quarterback and the ability to do two things. Because, again, this is the first time the West Virginia's had that in a few years as well. Okay. How do you shake out the running back situation? We all know who one is. Two through, I don't, I mean, heck, two through whatever, a question mark. I don't know. Maybe it's an exclamation point instead of a question mark, but two through blank. Probably fluid. You might say that perhaps Jalen Anderson is your number two and Justin Johnson's like a 2B. Maybe it's a simple 2 3. I don't know. And then we just don't know what they're going to get out of Jaheim White or DJ Oliver. I guess how many do they need? They'll probably rep all of them right now. Is it realistic to expect one of these freshmen, maybe maybe White more so than Oliver because he had the spring, but maybe Oliver as much as White because he seems to be such a jolt of, I don't know, maybe energy, excitement, potential, just something different, but there's something there with him for sure. Or is it so good that it just needs to have a veteran presence and be allowed to belong to those top three? I think the answer, you need three. So we'll see if they get into the four and the five with the two freshmen, but I think, you know, who's going to play most after C.J. Donaldson. I think it's going to be one of those hot hand scenarios where the coaching staff will give somebody, give Johnson, you know, a, a little bit of run there, pass it around to Jalen Anderson, see what happens with him, see who's who's kind of feeling it. And then maybe, you know, in the second half, one of them's getting more carries than the other. But I think obviously C.J. Donaldson is going to be the go-to number one running back, but those other two guys will get reps probably every single game with who get, who's getting more changing from game to game, depending on who's got the hot hand. Any intel there as far as the freshman? You've seen White. I think he probably owes you a dinner one time. 
because of his highlight video from here. Granted, he was responsible for the moves, I think, but like the big part about it is actually getting it on video and letting the world see it, right? And then Oliver just seems like this Paul Bunyan kind of a figure who's there's all these stories about him. And he's maybe like slightly smaller than Paul Bunyan at this point, but there's a whole lot of intrigue about him. You've been around the camps and the campus for a while here this summer. What do you hear as far as? I'm not saying that there's a CJ Donaldson here, but like, is there a potential impact from a freshman at this running back position that you might not know until you get out there in August and see them actually work? It's funny you should mention it because I actually did have this conversation with someone um, this summer about whether or not either one of these freshman running backs was going to crack the the, you know, the rotation. And I was told, hey, a running back, it's about production. If you deuce, you will play. I mean, I, that probably should go for every position, but I guess if you're getting yardage, you're going to play as a running back. And it's hard to ignore, although, you know, maybe past tells us we should, what happened in the spring game and how Jaheim White just seemed like a natural to to get open, to squeeze through places and small cracks and keep his balance and, and get some yards. So he's definitely someone that I would keep an eye on, even if, you know, he's going to be sitting there starting as like the fourth running back with a fifth one right down, uh, breathing down his neck as uh, Oliver arrives. But man, got to keep an eye on guys that like, like, like I was told, like if you produce, you will play. Yeah. And people are like, well, just one play in the spring game. How many plays did he get? Right. Like sooner or later it counts. Like you, you actually get limited opportunities and you make something happen. And this guy just seems like he's, he's lightning in a phone booth, I guess. I don't know. He's, Got some juice to him, and I wonder if they can find ways to get him in there. Is he catching screen passes? Is he out in the slot? Like they've always had a high, high level of optimism for a freshman at that position. Never mind just like how hard it might be sometimes for a running back to get on the field in the freshman year physically. Although you probably can transition if you're if you're like a blue chipper. Sure, I'm not saying he isn't a blue chipper, but doesn't profile as that. But they liked him to actually crack at that position, but also in that room, which is pretty crowded. I think he's probably gonna get more opportunities based on what he did in the spring. And then it's, again, it's up to him. Can he actually do it? Can he build or maintain a lead over White? Excuse me, Oliver. Can he catch up to, and can he catch up to Justin Johnson? How, how big is that guy for a guy who's been around like Johnson? And maybe to some extent, it just kind of is who he is right now. Can, can White catch up? We'll see there too. Defense, you mentioned, uh, actually, you know what? Let's stick on the offense. A lot of people just penciled in the offensive line. Hey, this is going to be one of the big 12's better groups. You look at the PFF grades, and I think it's just an interesting conversation to have, but they have three of the best offensive linemen in the Big 12, according to Pro Football Focus. Does that mean they have just three of the best in the mind of the coaches or defensive linemen or NFL evaluators? No. Scouts. There's a difference there, especially in the offensive line. That PFF stuff can be prickly when it comes to coaches, but Wyatt Milam, Doug Nestor, Zach Frazier, three of the Big 12's best. That's 60% of the offensive line. That's pretty good. I still think there's question marks left guard. Can Tomas Remach do it for a whole year? Maybe, maybe. And then just right guard, don't know who it's going to be. And the way they, they have kind of flip-flopped throughout the spring and maybe in camp, I don't know. I just wonder if Nestor is unequivocally the right tackle and they're just going to figure out right guard. Or if they say we need to get our best five in the field and that that means that Nestor is back in a guard again because the right tackle play can be better than the right guard play they make that switch again. I don't know. Like, should we be keeping an eye on the offensive line or is this good to go now because of, I don't know what scouts saying, what the depth chart says. 
Uh, first, can't move Nestor off right tackle again. Just, I just don't think you can do that again. Um, for a lot of reasons, but mostly because that that spot had trouble last year with the guys that are already on the roster and presumably the guys who would move out and take that spot if you move Nestor back in again. So I don't think that's a move you can make. What I do, um, I do, uh, do I like it? I, I, I get what you're saying here because I think maybe we need to slow down a, a tad on the offensive line. Oh, I, mean, I, I know I just said it was like kind of the, the pivot point of this offense, you know, it's it's solid five quote unquote starters back, so feel good about it. But let's be clear, you know, it's five starters back from an offensive line that was above average. Like it wasn't five starters back from the best offensive line in the Big Twelve. Nothing like that. Could it end up being one of the best offensive lines in the Big Twelve? Yes, yes, this year. But it wasn't last year, so let's just say it's a strong suit of this team. But there are question marks, and you mentioned the two of them there. The big one, like I agree with you. I don't think there's been enough talk about the Tomas rematch doing it for a full year thing. I mean, he was fine for a couple games, and that's about it. You know, like it wasn't like he's a sure thing, a definitive answer all that stuff like I, he's got high potential he's somebody that i was pushing hard for for high rankings out of high school couldn't believe what i saw from him when he came to camp at wvu and, and how young he was because i think he he was confused on what what year he technically counted as so i thought he was a senior when he was actually a junior and, and looked great um but that's that's a question mark on left guard and it was a question mark last year and he he, he did okay i think people might be pushing it a little too far about how well he did last season hello everyone it's michael richards here you might have seen me on cbs working on their champions league coverage over the last couple of years i wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that i've been working on it's called the rest is football it's me alongside gary lineker and alan shearer two absolute legends of the game the show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers and i mean outrageous just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Fair enough. Now let's go to the other side. You mentioned trenches. We have one trench covered. Defensive line. Well, they got a lot of potential here when it comes to the number of bodies and, and just figuring out who goes where and maybe who can play multiple spots, not at the same time. That would be unfair. But can someone play nose and tackle? Can someone play tackle and end? And then you kind of create some depth that way where that might have been a necessity in the past because of a scarcity of numbers and the ability for some players to actually do that and stretch themselves out. I wonder now to have enough players comparable skill levels or experience levels that they don't have to do all that cross training and they can do a little bit maybe stretch themselves out a little bit more but they have hit the portal here they've kind of developed some younger players that have been around and maybe are in line to go 
They've even developed some transfers who weren't just one-year players and then out the door. It's kind of a neat mix that could work out. Uh, defensive line coach Andrew Jackson has been here long enough now that he has some familiarity with the position and the position knows him. So there are some pluses here. Uh, this was not a strength of the defense last year. Frankly, had some trouble against the run. Part of the simplification, I think, on the defense was to make sure that second and third level was in position to help more against the run. But also the defensive line just might be eventually in a better position, at least at the starting point, but maybe later on down the road where they can do more on their own. What do you see and what do you like so far? I like the numbers they brought in, the depth they brought in. You already talked about it. You got, you know, you got a few guys that I think you can say you can trust. Sean Martin, Eddie V, Mike Lockhart, guys that have already been here, have been part of the rotation and have been solid. Um, but you mentioned like the different ways that they've they've kind of built this depth because I think there were people who were excited about the development of Hammond Russell, uh, excited about the development of Asani Redwood, um, and then you go out and you add like a one year guy like Devon Hawkins, who w was an All Conference type player and somebody who could really make a difference. Who I'm expecting to come right in and play, um, and, like a lot. Um, Torma Molba. Yeah, he's at Penn State. He didn't play too much, but even before he committed, I had people at Penn State telling me he is one of the strongest guys on the entire team, maybe the strongest guy on the entire Penn State football team. Um, that's a good starting point, you know, for for someone you're going to place at nose guard to be the strongest guy on your entire team. And then um, Tommy Durajaye, who came in, transfer from Kentucky. He's got multiple years. So, again, that's somebody that maybe is ready to play right now, but you can also develop for the future. But how many guys did I just list off there? Seven. And, and I haven't even talked about, like, a Jalen Thornton, uh, Torres Simmons, guys that were on the depth chart, too. So, you feel like, you know, they always say, oh, we want 10, like some ridiculous number they always want for the rotation. And the rotation ends up being closer to six. But – I think they might have 10 guys that they feel comfortable with putting on the field, which is not something I would say they've been able to do the past couple years. Well, linebacker, Chris, uh, if, if you ask me like one player that you want to really keep an eye on here, I think a lot of people would say Jaido Favoris. I think if I even step back and you said, Mike, not one player at will, who's one player on the defense or one player maybe on the roster you want to keep an eye on. I just think the fact that they have to get somebody there, and I wonder about Trey Lathan. Is he, I'm not saying he's the most important guy, but boy, if somebody could really make a leap and catapult himself to the front of the line, have a great camp, make the all-camp team, it would be a will, and I think, boy, there would be a lot of people who would be advocating for Trey Lathan to do it just because he, he's a linebacker. He could be a will linebacker, and it might be sooner than later, but th this seems to me like the one spot on the defense you circle because you just don't know yet they have people there who have just hardly ever played college football or even haven't played college football and they got to put somebody there and that's that's really not a piece you can take off the field too much unless you get creative with your spear and then you're talking about you know something convoluted like moving land sticks and then moving a backup spear there it gets very like i said very convoluted and i don't want to get into that the easiest fix would just be somebody becomes a will and my guess would be Lathan. It would be a guy that again, a lot of people would like to see that happen for just because that's why he's here. But is it, is it too simple for me to say that that is the position on defense and that a guy like Lathan has to make it work or could they work around it if it's not great? And are there other candidates to play and play well there? 
it's the most important position. It's the biggest question mark on defense because it's funny you know, when there is a I hate to say weak link, but I guess I guess we will a weak link like that. Sometimes a coach or coaching staff will go, yeah, yeah, we, we feel good with the guys we got there. Oh, we're going to, you know, all those kind of things. And I'm not saying that the that Neil Brown is not saying that, but they went out in the spring and went in the winter, all the way back to last winter, and went hard, hard after some Will linebackers. Didn't get them. Came into spring, went hard, 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 hard after Will linebackers. Didn't get them. You get into the summer. He's still talking about, like, openly, publicly, trying to find a Will linebacker to add all the way up even as, as late as media days. Like, I mean, two weeks before fall camp starts, he's saying if there is a good Will linebacker available, they will take him. Like, so I think he is aware of the situation there. Um, not that, you know, he thinks these guys these guys that are, are bad that you mentioned, Feveris, Lathan, Cutter, but those three guys I just mentioned, Zero career starts, you know, only a, a handful of appearances in games and usually just on special teams, maybe some, you know, meaningless late game, you know, garbage time snaps. So it, it is a position that has a lot of question marks all the way to the point that I believe, I think it was with an interview with you, he even mentioned that he, they, they're open to the idea of moving Tariq Austin Cave, the backup Mike linebacker, over to Will in certain situations. So it seems the staff's aware of it. It seems they're open to a lot of different possibilities to try to figure it out. Yeah, nothing gets the blood flowing like a Will linebacker competition in the camp, right? But I have a feeling we'll be paying attention to that. Too. It's a starting spot. It's important. It's hard to get off the field. And if you got to move your backup Mike to Will because three guys can't do it, ugh, that's tough. Um, and then who's your backup Mike? Is it is it Caden Beiser? I guess it would be. Kind of gets hairy. Again, they can make it work with somebody that'd be good, but we'll see. Finally, secondary. Yeah. Um, a lot of pieces. I don't know who the safeties are going to be. I know who the safeties will be. I don't know where they're going to be. Um, there's a lot of experimentation going on when it comes to the corners and what side they're going to be on. It sounds like that you're going to have essentially two free safeties in the field at all times, but one's going to play one side and one's going to play the other. They're going to try to make sure they don't get caught in the crosshairs and matchups, try to have two guys you can cover. That nickelback is probably going to be on the field a bunch, which means another safety. I would imagine the nickel would come on when the, the bandit would come off the field. So, again, not the will. That's why the will isn't just like a piece you can move off the board. A lot they can do here, I would think the more confident, more comfortable they feel with more players, obviously the better they are. But they can also cover up some other areas too where, again, you don't have to worry about your your will or your spear or or your bandit running in coverage against a slot receiver or something like that. If you have an extra safety you can put in the field who can play the run but also cover um, they can put out some fires maybe before they even start if they get good safety play. So corners, I think we know who the corners are going to be, at least in the audition part of it. Who starts, who's the backup, who's the understudy, we'll see. But safety is just a bigger question mark to me. I'm putting a lot on the table here, Chris, but viewer's guide for corner and then for safety spots, however you want to describe them or align them. Seems like it might be a whole lot to write and explain right now, but it's going to be valuable because there is going to be a lot of movement at every position, it seems like. Yeah, safety, I I couldn't begin what to know where to tell you what's going on there. I mean, again, we know the guys, but where are they going to be? How are they going to be lined up? We'll see, because I actually feel pretty good about the depth back there, which is not something I would have said, you know, a year or so ago. 
um, that spear, you're feeling okay putting any one of those three of those guys. I, I really like the idea of Hershey McLaurin back there. Um, just a guy that it, it's just one of those guys that when I'm talking with people, you hear his name. And when you start hearing the same guy's name over and over again, I mentioned this, uh, I think it was in my my story about the or battles on the depth chart. Um, I kept hearing Sean Martin's name last summer. And, you know, he's a backup defensive end. I mean, I know him from Bluefield. Family's from there, and I know him. I went down there and visited him, but Sean Martin, backup. And then, you know, he's starting by week three and, and finishing the year and going to um, be one of the representatives of the of the team this season. So I don't know if that's going to same thing's going to happen to Hershey McLaurin, but he's somebody that I keep hearing about. Corner, very obviously very interested in what's going to happen there because it's oars across the board, and you have on each side, you know, uh, returning guys in Spells and Wilson Lamp. But on each side, you also have the new guy that they brought in, and I just you. We always say you're not going to bring in a one-year Power 5 transfer to ride the bench. Like That's just not usually something that's going to happen. So it's hard for me to believe that Montre Miller and Beanie Bishop are going to be sitting on the bench um, most of the season. I mean, maybe to start, maybe you're trying to figure things out and all that and give the, give the veterans a little leg up. But it's just hard for me to believe that those two guys are going to be riding the bench this season. Yeah, when you look at those two guys, um, Anthony Wilson, Keyshawn Cobb, like they brought in a number of transfers to solve the problem. And part of the problem is being created by what they're trying to use as a solution, which even Brown has said, like they have not scouted terribly well and they've had some misses in the recruiting classes in the transfer portal. And they're in this position where they have to go out and get starters, starters in, in the offseason in the transfer portal. Well, so does everybody else. But he's admitted that and like he thinks it's better, likes their acquisitions, but he's really put those players and this offseason, this experimentation under the microscope here. And I, pe people are going to use that against them, which is kind of like the torture of being a coach. You're transparent, you're honest, but all of a sudden you're going to get the aha on the other side where now you're giving people the ammunition to use against you. And if it doesn't work well, it's going to really compound matters. But if it does work well, well, he set them up for success. He set himself up for success. He set their processes up for success. But that's a dynamic right now that's kind of interesting too because admit of the problem, don't worry about the problem. Worry about the solution. The solution are, are the players that are on campus and will be on the field. They can make it go away or they can make matters worse, I guess. That's that's going to be tricky there, too. Uh, special teams or are we out of time? We can do special teams in a minute, but <laughs> I want I want to quiz you on something. Yeah. 14 transfers. Okay. 14 transfer commitments. I, I, yeah. I hate to – no, let's do 14 transfer commitments in this class. How many of those 14 transfer commitments are listed as a starter right now? Take a guess without looking at the depth chart. Are we going with ORs? Well, okay, give me true starters, no ORs. It's two, isn't it? It's Carter and um, – I know he's not a starter. Is it just one? I think it's just Carter. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. I'm trying to double-checking this, but I think it's just Carter. Um, you have a couple ORs. But even then, that's not that many. I mean, Cole Taylor's an or, but I think we can say that's what I was thinking. He was the second one. Yeah, and and really, we we kind of know what that situation is with Cole Taylor and Traylon Davis. Like, sure, you can call them an or, but they're yeah, different packages kind of guys. Like Taylor's your starting tight end if you're looking for more receiving work, but and Davis is more of the blocker. But yeah, 
Uh, you got 14 transfer commitments. One, let's say two. I think it's safe to say Taylor's a clear starter um, in that situation. So you got two clear starters, a couple oars, and then a lot of guys listed as backups, second and even third string in some situations. Hmm. Um, it's just a start. You know, they do this sometimes, especially with new guys. They don't want to put them at the top of the depth chart too early. But to your point about, you know, bringing in the transfers and here you go, 14 transfers. I, I was specifically looking at the secondaries. Like, hey, the secondary was a disaster. So we brought in all these transfers and it's a backup, a backup, and two guys in an or battle right now. Uh, last one. Mm-hmm. Is there a CJ Donaldson out there? It doesn't have to be a, a true freshman or someone who's changed positions or whatever, but is there a player? And again, maybe Donaldson isn't the right comp, but is there like a a guy who's going to pop? It could be offense, could be defense. I'm not going to do special teams. I just was extending the gag here. But my recollection of Donaldson, Chris, is that we heard about it quietly, and then eventually it was asked about, and like the initial answer was kind of reluctant, like, I don't really want to talk about this. It's going pretty well. And then you just couldn't contain it anymore. And like there were scrimmage situations where he's running through and around guys. You're like, okay, this is a guy, and you had to talk about him. Um, you'd like that to happen, especially with the number of new people on the field. But we haven't talked about Rodney Gallagher. We haven't talked about Traylon Ray. We haven't talked about, you know, I'm just trying to think of other people here. That, that I mean, we're, even the, the transfers in depth, we haven't really talked about. Like, what did Tyron Bradley's really get off the edge? Do you think that there is like a – um, like a catapult guy, guy who's going to like just all of a sudden use camp to be right at the forefront of the conversation here. Are, are there candidates for you that I'm not saying you're predicting it, but if it were to happen, then it's this person that sees people. It's this position. I don't know. I, I've always been very curious about James Hurd. Um, I do think th- this has a negative connotation, but it, he's a bit of a one trick pony of being a pass rusher, but it's something that, that, we've talked about with recruits and guys that you're trying to add to the team. If you can do something elite, like, you know, one thing elite, you are of use to the team. You are of use to uh, uh, the program. You are able to play right away. And I think he is, even as a true freshman, let's not go so far as to college elite pass rusher, but he is already, you know, on that trajectory, on that path has the potential to be, maybe the best pass rusher on this team as a true freshman, you know, in that bandit stand-up edge kind of run role. And I think you could see him a lot in those third down situations. And like, don't, don't get all twisted with the Bruce Irvin comparisons since, you know, that was kind of his one thing to do that first year and he went nuts, but maybe think of a very, very homeless man's Bruce Irvin kind of thing, you know, like only a couple sacks, but he's, he's out there some and, and, and playing, quite a bit on third down as the year goes along. I think that'd be my pick too. If I had to pick one, I just think that's a guy that's, he can do a thing that gets in the field and they've always been consistent about his potential. And if, if he's a third and nine guy, that's okay. If it's a second and 16, that's okay. Like he can get in there and clearly do something that's a disruption to the offense. Um, that's a good thing for the defense. Then I think that could be a, a niche for him too. Good time for a story, Chris. Go for it. Thursday. You could not make it to Morgantown for the final one-day camp. Sent me in relief. Thursday was also, um, I, I had a competition on Saturday. Went well, not going to talk about it. Thursday was like my last day of like prep. So kind of hard, heavy morning. Got up early, ran, 
gym, no big deal. I'm just delirious, tired, head's not in it. It's hot out, don't want to be on my feet. But I'm at the field, Chris. About 170 degrees in the turf. No wind, no rain, nothing. But as you do in camp, you kind of walk in, and people were happy to see me, surprised to see me. Neil Brown, hey, might you get lost? Very funny. Assistant coach jokes about your three week long vacation to miss all of camp earlier in summer. I promise. Assistant coach comes over and introduces himself to me, and I'm like, "Yeah, I know who you are." And he goes, "I just want to make sure." Uh, another coach comes over and we talk, and he, I was like, "Uh huh, I get it now." He goes, "I just want to make sure that it was actually you." And I'm like, "That was that was me. Thanks, I get it." The jokes, the jokes on me. I understand. Then I'm back in the saddle, Chris. The laminated car is in my pocket. I'm feeling good. I'm walking around, running backs, receivers. Finally, get to the quarterbacks. Can be kind of revealing, you know. Sometimes you watch and like this guy's good. Here's one to watch. Here's one to keep an eye on. And like that net with the three pockets, that doesn't lie. They put this net out on wheels. It's got three pockets, and the ball either ends up in one of the pockets or it doesn't. And you can figure out who's accurate and who's got arm strength and who's better than one other quarterback because the ball's going to be in the net or it's not. Doesn't lie. So I'm, I'm walking around. I'm watching that, and um, there's a guy who. I'm not sure like I visually recognize, but like the voice just seemed familiar to me. And I was like, ah, is that a former player? Is that a coach? I'm not sure. Is it someone in the media? I don't know. Don't know. Just recognize the voice. And so I walk by and I, I'm trying to move around the corner and not get hit by a football or an air pass and um, pass by. And that this individual I just talked about says, hey, 24 7, because I got the red shirt on, Chris. So everybody knows who I am. You work there or did you buy that shirt? So here's someone who doesn't know me, right? Thank goodness. I said, no, I I, uh, I actually work there. He goes, oh, man, can you buy those? Or like, I want to get my hands on one of those. And I said, you know what? I can actually only get my hands on these once a year, believe it or not. And I'm kind of walking away, and he's kind of stationary. And then it's this awkward moment where I'm like, is he coming over to talk to me? Am I making it awkward now because I want him to come over and talk to me? And then spiral whizzes by, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep moving. And he has visitors throughout the day, and you know, people come by, and they talk to me too. Just Just two guys at a football camp, Chris, right? Something's bugging me. I can't figure out who this is. I'm like, I know who this is. I've met this person. Man, this, this is bugging me. Camp wraps up. Do all that stuff. Can't shake it, man. Like, I'm doing dishes at night. I'm walking my dogs at night. I just can't figure out. I'm not obsessed with it, but it just keeps coming, like, back to the front of my head, the tip of my tongue. It's right there, and I can't grab it. And I can't grab it. Until, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, early Friday, Chris, it hits me like a bolt of lightning. And if my friends are listening to this, they'll know and they'll feel bad because this person I should know on site because I was a fan and I still am now with his work in the media. It was Rajah Bell. Whose kid is a quarterback and is evidently a pretty good player. How about that? Yep. Did an interview with him the other day. He got up a West Virginia offer after the camp. And yeah, I found it funny when I talked to him beforehand. Uh, the son, not Raja, because I think I had just found out Raja Bell's podcast and started listening to it, I don't know, a month ago, maybe, and have, have listened to it pretty regularly since. And so I was like, wait, I just start listening to his podcast, and all of a sudden he and his son show up at WVU camp? This is wild. Um, but yeah, that's he should have sold him some 24-7 merch, Mike. Well, this is my thing now. I feel terrible because I'm not saying he was like, this guy didn't know I'm Rajah Bell. 
but I was, I'm not, and I wasn't a jerk either, but it was kind of awkward and I'm not the best in social situations like this. And I also don't think that people want to talk to me half the time. I'm pretty used to being shunned as a media member when I'm around football teams or basketball teams. I didn't think he wanted to engage in me, but like, I kind of felt this moment for a second where I was like, is he coming over? I don't know. And it might've been just me, but now I feel terrible about it. So if I ever see him again, I'm going to have to have a shirt. Can we get Rajah Bell a t-shirt? Like it's hard for me to get t-shirts. I think we can get Rajah Bell a t-shirt, right? I think we can do that. Yeah. Would that be an inducement? Hey, Raja, if you're listening, we'll hook you up. All right. I feel bad about this, man. Like, uh, just like his podcast is very good. I think he's very smart. And I, I liked him as a player. Like, just uh, just his role and everything it was really cool. And I just, like, I don't know why it got me, but I just I shot up out of bed going, oh, no. And I told, like, one of my friends this. And he's like, wait a minute, that's your guy. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I didn't have a post or anything like that, but I always thought he was a cool player. And it was like a divisive thing because – Oh, he's good. Oh, he's not good. And I'm like, no, he's actually good. And now, like, you listen to him, and he's he's very good at what he does too. So, I feel bad about this too. Um, kid has an offer now too, and I'm told his other son is a very good basketball player, like a six-two point guard in the twenty-six class. I'm not sure. I should do my homework on this here, but probably not a surprise that he's got good genes and has good players uh, growing up in his household there too. Um, if you listen to him, you could tell he's got his head on right. Probably raising his kids well. Uh, we'll get him dressed right if we see him sometime soon. Get him a twenty-four-seven T-shirt. Anything else to add? That's it, Mike. I'm ready for camp. Let's get this thing started. All right. I'll be wearing my 24-7 t-shirt out there Wednesday. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Got some an interesting look at the, the beginning of the season for Neil Brown and, of course, his athletic director, Rem Baker. We'll be on site Wednesday with hopefully photos and videos and a recap. Neil Brown talks later in the day. We have you covered there. Until then, uh, we'll just twiddle our thumbs until we get to the starting line. I am Mike Casaza. I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.